Soraya. How's it going? Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Look at you all snazzy. Yep. Colorful. Pants, pants too. And we're in pants. First time <laughs> in 15 months. I guess that's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, man. That's a little bit too much information for past episodes. Hopefully nobody goes back. Hey, if uh, people are close listeners, they would have known. They would have known. <laughs> I mean, you can tell, right? And well, you know, <laughs> they see us from what? The neck up. So Yeah, right, 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 right. So today, Jeff is the dapper and uh, I am in full summer mode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a t-shirt and uh, I am wearing pants. <laughs> I will say I am wearing it. Both, Anyways. Both pantsed up. Woo! <laughs> All right. Okay, so Jeff, yes. you and I, for the longest time, have had this discussion. Not mm -hmm. a debate, but it is a discussion. That you favor the EP. Yeah. You love the EP format. I do. It's probably Why? It's probably because my attention span <laughs> can last for yeah can last for a, a full EP. But it, um, Barbara Manning last week said something I thought was really interesting. And she talked about sequencing and giving, making the audience want more. And that's how I feel with an EP. After listening to an EP, I always want more. So it's a little shorter than what I actually want, but it always makes me wanting more. And um, I don't know, I just like that three to eight song, kind of format for me i think it's I, I i definitely believe it's has to do with my attention span but i just love it it's just like you just hit them and usually they're strong you know there's less songs so they're all usually strong strong material so i don't know kind of reminds me of that line from that thing you do where tom hanks is talking to the band he goes you you play your song and you unplug before the applause dies out <laughs> and you leave and you leave them one more so you know jeff's love for the ep has um made us think about what are some of the eps that we've enjoyed we've talked about the ones from the seminal four of yes. the pace in the underground but we wanted to expand that discussion so welcome to number one of a series on uh important eps so jeff let's get started let's get started Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. And yes, we are starting with The Long Riders 10560. Now, Jeff, I can't tell. But can you tell me how many signatures are on that? So this one, I have three signatures that I got when we were at the Roxy. So Sid signed right here. Right. Greg immediately underneath it. <laughs> and then you can hardly tell, but Stevens is kind of blended in with the tree right there. <laughs> so whose signature? Sorry. So Stephen, Steve, Steve McCarthy's is in the tree? Yeah. Yeah. But, ah, okay black on black kind of so everybody that played on this record except for the bass player des brewer which we'll talk about in a little yes. bit so yeah all right well okay so why don't you let our listeners know why this one okay so as you mentioned in our intro we've covered the seminal four bands 
EPs on an episode, which was really fun. So yeah. we did Baroque Hoedown, the Dream Syndicate EP, Bangles EP, as well as Explosions in the Glass Palace by Rain Parade. But we wanted to expand it a little bit more and talk about some of the bands that are commonly um, uh, associated with the Paisley Underground and um, what's come to be known as Paisley adjacent, right? Right. Um, I have a different opinion, um, especially with Green on Red and Long Riders, that they are yes. the Paisley Underground. That's another discussion. But we wanted to include the Paisley adjacent bands and their EPs in a little series. So I thought it best to start off with the Long Riders because they're definitely commonly associated with the Paisley Underground um, in many ways. So um, there's a couple connections too. Right. Um, this EP, which was the band's first release, um, which came out in 1983 on PVC, the PVC label, is produced by, do you, do you know? The one and only Earl Mankey. Earl Mankey at the Psychedelic Shack. So um, we've talked about Earl um, in regards to the Three O'Clock, mm -hmm. um, Permanent Green Light, and some other bands. So we're definitely fond of his production style. So uh, that's a connection with Absolutely. Some, some of the other bands. And it, we'll talk about it when we play some songs, but I love the sound yeah. of the production. Before we jump into um, the songs, I wanted to mention one quote about about this EP. And uh, you will all notice this time around that Jeff and I have have uh, kind of switched places now because uh, we've selected songs. It's like a sandwich. We start with Jeff, then my picks, and then end with Jeff. So it's a uh, Jeff. Jeff's the bread and I'm the, You're the good know, stuff day in the middle, yeah. but I really, really like this quote because I think it, I think when people have a hard time with the long riders and being a social or trying to figure out where their place is, I think anyone who's a fan of the LA music scene in the early eighties and, you know, seeing a lot of these bills where these bands were playing places, you know, sometimes, you know, Sid was living with Vicky and, uh, you know, other people. So, these are people who knew each other, socialized, but also played bills. Um, but I think sometimes people say, well, they're too country. But this, this quote just kind of sealed the deal. So it's a quote um, from a book called Country Roads, How Country Came to Nashville. And there's a musicologist, Brian Hinton, who's quoted in it and about long riders. He says, the band's punkish roots are sweetened by banjo, steel guitar, and auto harp. And that Birdsian propulsion is firmly on the launch pad. They are not played gently though. And the vocals are the very antithesis of Nashville cool. If Graham Parsons approach country with respect, this is a full tell drunken assault. <laughs> okay, so in reality, what he's saying is long riders take country into a completely different place. Mm. And it's because of all this mix of um, of influences, yeah, and um, I think that's I think that's what's cool about this EP in particular is we hear where the long riders get their influence, and like even the the cover shot of that EP. Do you mind holding it up? No, I wanted to talk about that too. So the cover shot is shot by a uh, photographer, Ed Culver. 
and it's purposeful because Sid Griffin said about the cover, he said, I talked, I told Ed um, that I would buy anything if it looked 1966, if it looked like 66. So the look, the way it was shot, the black and white, you know, all of it, it just screams 60s. Uh -huh. It screams late 60s. And so that psychedelic link is completely, it, it runs throughout this, but you definitely hear this very unique sound throughout this entire EP. And I agree with you, Jeff, this EP makes me want to hear more. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think it does the job that you said. Yeah. So, very well said. Very well said. I told you, you know, some days, um, some days it, it comes easily, but some days it doesn't. <laughs> All right. But Jeff, I do want you to point out something because Jeff is the king of complete he's a completist so this ep the one you were holding is is the pvc release right yes okay yes. but there is a variation there is yes and um i think you'll only notice it if you're british because when okay. i look at it <laughs> no so the the british version on zippo records also includes a tune called the trip um, right. so it's they extended it from a five song EP to a six song EP. So we'll talk a little bit about the trip, but you're absolutely right. If you want uh, 10, 5, 60, I don't think we've even mentioned the name of the EP yet. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> if you want 10, 5, 60 and it's full, full length form, uh, you get the Zippo British version. Um, and that includes that extra track, the trip, um, which is a good transition, I think, to talk about the lineup. Yes. So the, the lineup of this band has, of course, Greg Souders on drums. And apparently, if you read the credits, Smiles as well. So that's one thing he's credited for. Um, Stephen McCarthy and Sid Griffin, who all three play on every single Longriders record there is. But also, um, I wanted to note that the bassist at, at was a guy named Des Brewer, which I don't know much about at all. When I try to look at credits, musical credits, all I come up with is the long writers. So um, I did learn that after the EP was produced and the band was getting ready to tour, Des was not um, interested in taking, um, going on the road with the band. So they started to change bass players and they went through a couple bass players and ended up with um, <clears throat> our favorite, right? <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> it didn't come, uh, so the trip, um, uh, doesn't include Des Brewer. So I think that was something that was recorded later. Um, but they've included it, um, uh, on the, the Zippo version as well. So, well, I think we'll, at, we'll, you know, when we have an opportunity to talk to Sid and to Stephen McCarthy, yeah, you know, which we're just putting that on our wish list. When we have an opportunity to ask them, we can ask about about Des and and how that transitioned over over you know the subsequent releases. Right. Yeah. But, for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, Jeff. So we're gonna start the sandwich. Oh, so let's listen to some music. Okay. So uh, let's start with your pick. All right. Well, I'm going to reclaim my spot as the, as the the, uh, the um, lead off track person. Sounds good. <laughs> I, I give you I give you my title. So, uh, yeah, so that was um, something that I picked quite often. And uh, the last couple of times 
you you've picked the title track. So join my gang um, is the leadoff track on the EP written by Sid Griffin. But what I like about this, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, Stephen McCarthy sings the verses and Sid sings the choruses. So I like how they do that duet trade-off on the vocals. And yeah. I, I can say this about every song on this EP, but I love the guitars. Um, there's some, um, some of the vocal stuff at the end that I really appreciate too with the two of them. But yeah, I just like them trading off and the song is Join My Gang. Um, so I think it's a great way to start off the EP because it's like, join in, join in with us. And um, the lyrics are kind of funny because it sounds like it's singing to somebody who's a little bit more on the straight edge than they are because it says, um, you don't like to throw bricks. You don't like to do this. You don't like to do this, but we're the, we're the tough, rough guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's fun. And uh, it's a great way to start off in uh, almost like an invitation, join my gang. So I thought it would be a great way to uh, start off uh, the music. It's, a, it's the first song on the EP and I say, let's jam. Let's go.
sounds like an eight, uh, 60s song at the end, the way it ends with the tambourine. and. Oh, my God. But see, that guitar, that, that bridge, it sounds so bird, so psychedelic. <sighs> that, see, that's, that's how you start off. Right, right. Track. I'm, I'm with you. Hold in. Join our gang. Join our gang. Okay, we're in. <laughs> so your first pick. Yeah, my first pick, um, you know, it's no secret that I'm a big Stephen McCarthy fan. And I think not only do I really enjoy his vocals, but I think he writes a damn good song. And um, so I picked track two from side A, which is I don't care what's right. I don't care what's wrong. And I wanted to read um, this little blurb about it. Um, where someone is quoted as saying that um, you don't, um, they say you don't know what's right, but it's, I don't know what's yeah. right. Um, but in this, um, it became a signature song and a signpost pointing to Americana and alt country two phrases that didn't exist in 1983 and that were not yet a musical genre on radio or in print. So really this song I think is this bridge moment because you definitely hear this is a country track. I mean, like the in country influences throughout, but it goes, it elevates it. It takes it in a different direction. And I think that's why I like this track a lot. I mean, and then it's a Stephen McCarthy track. So, you know, it's just good. But, um, and then the lyrics are really, f are, I like the lyrics on this and I'm just I'm gonna leave you with this before we go into the song. I don't need your help. I don't need advice. Don't, don't try and tell me how to run my life. It's just kind of like, you know, I don't care, just go. <laughs> but I, I like that it's this statement and then it's, it just uses, it uses like maybe like a very typical country theme, you know, of like uh, kind of rebellion, kind of walking away, but it takes in a whole different direction and it's all due to the arrangement, in my opinion. So I don't care what's right, I don't care what's wrong.
Someone's got some twang. Man, but you know what makes it different? Like I'm listening and I think, okay, so what makes this really different than any country song? Like I grew up, I grew up in the seventies and you know, my family, yes, Panamanian, Iranian, we watch Hee Haw. And so I remember Hee Haw, you know, and I remember Buck Owens and I remember, you know, I remember the artists that went on there. I go, okay, so what makes this different than that, than the, you know, pop country that I knew or the mainstream country. And I'm, the, some of the guitar rips are very different on that song and that drum, okay. Greg Souders in that drum, it's, that's a rock drum on a country track. Yeah. Good in thought. my head okay yeah please no. okay let's just state it for the record Soraya is not a musician I don't know nothing about nothing I just know what it sounds like to me yeah no good point yeah it doesn't have that typical well one of the the, the typical drum beats that you usually hear a lot of times they'll do a like a marching kind right <laughs> yeah so yeah it's just yeah. a little more subtle like I, I'm thinking like um uh oh the guy with sorry i'm gonna go off on a tangent no i'll stop it right there yes <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a, the drums tend, i remember classical country where the drums are a little more subtle here it's like a driving force and so it's more like a rock drum yeah punk drum yeah um and so it changes changes it but man, Stephen mccarthy i love that i like he can write a good song yeah and we should note that the bass player Des Brewer has a co-write credit. Yes. On this. So I think it's the only track that he has credit for writing anything, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So. Because then the next track, track three on side A, which is my second pick, is 10560. So I'm taking back from you the title track, uh -huh. um, which you tend to like too, but this one is credited as written by Sid Griffin and uh, Barry Shank. Oh. So again, we've got two tracks with, you know, at least um, two people, either not currently in the lineup or people that were brought in, you know, for certain tracks. Yeah. So I picked 10560 because it is a very uh, gritty song. Like I remember hearing it and going, Sid sounds, Sid sounds different on this song. And it's just, there's this grittiness. There's this toughness to his vocals on this song. And man, the guitar parts are ridiculous, especially that intro. So let's listen to it and we'll talk about it after. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a question for you after it's over. Okay, dope. Well, I'll ask you now and then you sure. can answer later. What is 10560? Cue the track.
feedback there at the end. Nice touch. Great. I don't know what 10560 is. I don't know. I thought I thought for a hot second that it was a reference to Sid's birthday, but he's September 18, 1955. Oh. So he's two days before me. Oh. FYI. But I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I thought it might be an idiomatic expression to mean like uh, 365, something similar, but I don't know. So if it's somebody else's birthday, I want to know who, who it is. But I haven't been able to figure out what the 10560 refers to. Yeah. Adding it onto the list of questions to ask Sid Griffin and Stephen McCarthy. Yeah. And I tried doing a little research on that and I couldn't find out anything. And it talks about um, like partying and um, having a good time. And so I thought, I don't know, I thought it had something to do with music timing or something, but I didn't even think of it as a date. I bet it has something to do with some kind of date. October 5th, 1960. Hmm. I mean, it's not anything that I can reference it to like in pop culture because like the Beatles on Sullivan is later. Yeah. Uh, Kennedy is later. Yeah. So I, I don't know what 10560 is, but maybe Sid one day will come on our podcast and tell us himself. Yeah, he did mention that he'll be on some sometime. So we'll see. <gasps> So let's write it down for, for a question to ask him. Yes. But I did want to go back and talk about a little bit about Barry Shank, the co-writer. Yeah, and, please. Um, he also co-wrote Ivory Tower um, on Native Sons, on Longwriter's Native Sons. And him and Sid were bandmates in The Unclaimed for a little bit. Oh. So, um, yeah, they have a little bit of a musical history together, I, I found out when I was researching. I didn't know that, but... Um, I know that uh, oftentimes when they play Ivory Tower that uh, Sid will will mention it live from the stage that uh, about them being old friends, but I didn't make the connection with the unclaimed and uh, this track in particular. So, yay. Okay, right. so my last, last track. track. Yeah, so And She Rides is the track that I picked. And I wanted to mention something about sequencing with this because we we've, played all of side A with yeah. our, our first three picks. And then side B on the, this PVC version has two tracks, um, And She Rides, which is what I'm gonna play. And Born to Believe in You is the last track, which is auto harp based, mm -hmm. um, which reminds me of being a kid and my music teacher, Mrs. Fountain, would come in with an auto harp and sing mostly old folk songs, like I'm being eaten by a boa constrictor and uh, um, John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith, but we would also do um, Mac Maxwell Silver Hammer. So, anyway, oh, wow. so whenever I hear auto harp, I think of Mrs. Fountain and my fourth grade teacher, auto harp, and would we'd sing a lot of folk songs. Oh, yep. nice, nice. So, that is how the EP closes out um, Born to Believe in You. Um, so, And She Rides is the is the first track on side B of the two. But if you get uh, get the album on CD, if you get it on the Frontier record, they actually change the sequencing a little bit. So 10560 is included on the Native Sun CD from Frontier. And um, it ends, uh, the last three songs on the CD are Born to Believe in You, 
the trip, which is the bonus track from Zippo, and it ends with And She Rides. So it's very interesting to me because I think of And She Rides as a better closing track than what is actually on the EP, Born mm. to Believe in You. So it's interesting that when uh, we've talked to Lisa Fancher from Frontier, right. when she put this together, how she used that as the closing track. And if you get the CD that Sid <laughs> put out on his Prima record label, so this is an expanded version of Native Sons and 10560 and it's got some bonus tracks also. He also changed the sequencing. It doesn't end out the CD because the, there's bonus tracks after the EP. So it starts with Native Sons and goes to 10560 and then some bonus tracks. But when he, he put the sequencing on here, he also sequenced Born to Believe in You, The Trip, and then And She Rides. So, wow. Just so an, then... Yeah, just interesting. And there's also um, a Zippo version of the CD. And that version um, has the, they stick to the, the EP. So it ends with Born to Believe in You rather than And She Rides. All that to say, <laughs> And She Rides is my track. Um, I, it's a fun <laughs> track. And I like it as a, a closing track um, rather than Born to Believe in You, which is a fun song in, in and of itself. But, um, and she rides, so I say we give it a listen. Let's go.
my favorite bass part on the EP was the song. And um, there's, I didn't know if you could hear it, but there's this little keyboard part in there and it uh -huh. sounds like it's credited to Stephen McCarthy, but it kind of reminds me of something like Will Glenn would play. Oh, I think you're right on. It, it Spot on. felt like that at the end there. It had a little, little tiny bit of a rain parade feel, little tiny bit. I was going to say it reminds me of uh, quite a few rain parade tracks. Oh. In that it just, there's this kind of, not a freak out at the end, but it is kind of melding of sounds and it just takes you off on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Very psychedelic. It was psychedelic. Yeah. yeah. So I, in my mind, I think uh, I like how the CD closes out yeah. as a closing track rather than Born to Believe in You. And you mentioned um, that it's kind of a trip. So uh, the trip, which is the bonus track that's included on the Zippo release, I wanted to read a little bit um, about the bass player situation uh, that I found online. So Des Brewer, uh, I read that he wasn't committed to touring and the band wanted to right. tour, so that's when he left. And then I guess he was replaced by a guy named Don McCall, who I don't know who that is, but apparently he only lasted three months and then he was asked to leave. Because uh, according to Greg, um, his playing and my drumming never quite clicked. Um, <laughs> so that happens. Uh, it's just chemistry, right? Oh, yes. and I should mention that And She Rides, credited as uh, co-written by um, Sid Griffin and Greg Souders. So um, um, back to the trip. So um, I guess that um, after they went through uh, Des Brewer and Don McCall, that um, Tom Stevens, uh, who we know as the bass player for the Long Riders, um, our good buddy, rest in peace, um, that he became the new bass player shortly after this EP came out in January of 84. And um, he was recommended by friends. And I guess he didn't even have to try out just by, just by his recommendation alone. And they really needed a bass player because they had some shows lined up um, in San Francisco, around the San Francisco area. And they needed somebody quick. Tom was recommended. So history after that. So uh, the trip has Tom Stevens playing bass rather than Des Brewer. So um, I'll add that after our outro music, we'll, we'll play the trip. And it's kind of a transition, right? Going from the EP lineup to the what became the, the true right. long, long riders lineup. One last thing about the trip. Um... It was recorded, you're right, it was recorded in February 1985 uh, at the A&M Studios in Hollywood. Nice. So it's it's a, a bit of a time after yeah. um, the initial recording of uh, 10560. So. Yes, yes. Yeah. Great EP. I love it. Death, I, I think I'm coming around. I think I'm coming around to your point of view. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I uh, mean, there are EPs that I love and there are some that are oh, <laughs> that I like the album better. Um, the the long form album better, but oh, that reminds me. When I first heard the terminology EP, I was very confused being um, raised in the album generation, right? Sure. So, um, I started getting heavily into music um, in the early 70s. And um, had always bought albums. And then when I bought EP and, and I found out that it meant extended play. And I'm like, wait, I'm going from 10 to 12 songs to 
three to eight songs. How is this extended? But of course, um, much before the album became the most popular format was the single. Um, and that's how we are today with streaming. It's more of a single environment than it is an album environment. So if you compare the single format versus the EP, yes, it is extended from the single format. Absolutely. But when you go from album to extended, <laughs> I mean, it, it it should have been called like a truncated version if you go from album. Oh and my then, gosh. And then That's it would have been worse. a... Yeah. Like, give me the TV. <laughs> give me the Bengals TV. TV truncated <laughs> version, please. <laughs> right. So anyway, so that was some confusion for me as a kid. But Coming up next, we're going to uh, feature another of the... Uh, Paisley Underground Adjacent Bands EP, so be sure to come back to to listen to more EP as my phone rings. You know it's Sid Griffin on the phone. <laughs> we'll get back to you, Sid. We'll get back yeah. to you. <laughs> Leave a message. Leave a message. <laughs> yeah. All right, but you know what, Jeff? This was fun. Yes. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to digging into the other ones, too. So, yes. mi gente, agruyer. Groove on, Paisley people. Someone coming down the hallway, and he up and knocks on the door. 